My name's Jo Wise, and this is Wise Women, the podcast. In my book, I'm a Woman, I quote a Native American proverb which states that the world will know a thousand years of peace when women have healed their hearts. I believe that one way for women to heal their hearts is to share their stories. Just like in ancient times, when our female ancestors would gather at the full and new moons in tune with their cycles to cleanse their experiences together. On this podcast, I'll be asking women from all walks of life to share their stories. Not only to give a voice to the wisdom they discovered during some of their greatest life challenges, but also to remind you of your deepest wisdom too. This is Wise Women. Sharing stories, sharing wisdom. Jamie Linegar is a natural health practitioner from Bristol who heard the undeniable sound of her biological clock ticking not long after marrying her husband Chris in 2005. The couple knew from the very beginning of their relationship that conception may not be easy as Jamie had been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome before they met. However, the knowledge of her condition didn't prepare Jamie for the emotions she experienced while trying to get pregnant naturally while trying to get pregnant with treatment, and when those two options didn't work, while trying to adopt. Jamie's episode of Wise Women is called The Lambs, for reasons which will become clear. Hi there. Hi, Jo. First of all, congratulations. I know we're going to talk today about your challenging journey into motherhood, but I understand that recently a new arrival has blessed your house Am I am I right in thinking that you've welcomed yeah. a, a fur baby into your we've home? Got, we've got a little fur baby. His name is Paddy. Um, yeah, he's he's all kinds of cute and all kinds of trouble. <laughs> He's a little cocker, cocker pup, working cocker. And he's driving you a bit crazy, isn't he? Is that fair to say at the moment? Yeah, he's just, it's nine years since we've had a pup um, and I've forgotten how, just how crazy they are, just a bit crazy and it's because my older dog, he's just so chilled and this one's just a little bit of a, yeah, full of beans he is, he's full of beans. (laughs) Well, when we were chatting before the start of this interview, you referred to your older dog as a legend, which I thought was great and, um, you know, I'm like this with my cats at home, I don't understand how animals you know physically they don't take up much space at all but if they weren't in the house oh my goodness you know you really notice don't you when they're not in the house with you how can that be yeah they just they just bring so much to your family don't they they're little souls in their own right I couldn't be without a dog yeah I couldn't be without a dog no I feel like that about cats as well although I'd have a dog but probably not your puppy at the moment if you don't mind yeah let me let me house train it Okay, so for your story uh, today, we are going to talk about your journey to becoming a mother, the condition that you were diagnosed with, the treatment you had, and the adoption process. But first of all, from the moment you decided with your husband that you wanted to get pregnant, how deep did that desire to create a baby together burn in you? Wow, it it kind of creeps up on you. It takes you by surprise because I think... And you see this in quite a number of younger women. They have no interest in it. And suddenly it's like somebody flicks a switch. <laughs> Mother Nature just, you know, waves a magic wand. And, yeah, you're just, you've, you've just got this focus, this desire that you just need to, you need to be a mum. You need to, yeah, just move forward in that direction. It's, I suppose it's survival of the species, isn't it? 
So, yeah, it was pretty powerful. And how quickly did you realise that it wasn't happening? Well, I think in the first year, I think in a fertility sense, I already knew I had PCOS. I knew that and I'd been um, dealing with PCOS for quite a lot of years. And before you go on, Jamie, can you just describe what PCOS is for people that don't know? It's polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's a little bit different to just having polycystic ovaries. It's the syndrome. So it comes with um, an insulin resistance. So there's a metabolic side to the disorder. Um, and I think those things are all interconnected. It's it's another hormone, isn't it, insulin? So it, it affects you metabolically and it creates symptoms such as some women get acne, some women actually lose their hair on their head. It can really play havoc with your weight. Because of the insulin resistance, It you don't um, metabolize the food in the same way. So you can gain weight and then that perpetuates the disorder. So you get in a bit of a vicious circle with it and yeah it it basically creates little cysts on your ovaries so that the eggs aren't able to actually release they kind of the the ovaries make the follicles but then there's not enough of a surge of the particular hormone that allows that egg to release down the fallopian tube so it ends up with all these little ring of pearl type cysts all around your ovaries i've read quite a lot about pcos actually and the emotional profile of it is fascinating because again you have to take everything into account but one of the factors is that at some point in that woman's life and perhaps even ancestrally there was a deep wound to the feminine so the ovary creates the cysts by way of protection yeah now i've read that as well i've read that it is it's kind of like pain and hurt and the the disorder kind of grows from there we have we have physical reactions to emotional things that go on in our life and yeah this is one of them yeah and I know you're fascinated by that subject as well being a complementary health practitioner but getting back to your story you always knew you had this syndrome so you weren't that surprised then when things weren't taking the natural course of action yeah I think I knew that we uh, fertility treatment they wouldn't allow you to apply for any help until you'd been trying for I think well back then it was about a year and we'd I knew because I wasn't having a cycle I wasn't having periods which is the opposite to some PCOS sufferers I think they bleed pretty much all the time or not at all so I wasn't having cycles at all so I kind of knew this isn't happening and just an instinct in me I knew I wasn't working properly but I had to give it that year of trying um, as soon as the year was up, we were we were kind of like marching straight to the fertility clinic to see if we could get some help. And how did your husband feel about all this? So presumably you'd had the conversation about children before you'd got married. and Yeah, yeah. And actually, before we got married, interestingly, we both had a really, it was a really early in our relationship, had a real um, talk about how we'd love to adopt. And yeah, that, that conversation kind of got forgotten in amidst all this you get swallowed up by the fertility journey you really do once you're in it it's it's got a momentum all of its own and he was just just focused on supporting me I think I feel that maybe men try their best to connect with what's going on for you because I think you as a as a woman you feel quite wounded by the process and they just want to support you that's Mm. my experience of it it's difficult isn't it for a woman to not be able to get pregnant quickly especially when all her friends around her are getting pregnant very quickly it can be heartbreaking yeah it is it's it's really intense and powerful when you're in it I mean it's a long time ago now for me but when you're in it and I I see people within my clinic who are struggling and I wish 
you you want to kind of reach reach out to them and and give them some words of wisdom but i think when you're in it it's really difficult to see beyond mm. where you're at right now and um it's, it's it is heartbreaking and it almost seems very unfair because we're gifted with all of these beautiful hormones to make us want to do this magical thing and then when your body doesn't work you feel really cheated you and and confused you just i don't understand why i would feel this way and it's so powerful yet my body's not working why would somebody whoever created us whoever's in charge why would they do that to me that's kind of where you're at with your thought process yeah no that makes complete sense complete sense so you decided to get treatment to help you get pregnant and i know there was talk of surgery as well so what was that process like and how how invasive did it get it was hopeful at the beginning we 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 were lucky enough to be able to pay to see a private doctor in Bristol who's incredibly highly recommended and still is. I hear bits and pieces about him now, still working um, in Bristol. And so he was amazing. He gave us lots of hope. He never once doubted that he would get us where we needed to be, which was really lovely energy to be around when you're so desperate. But the process became quite mechanical. You're in and out of hospital quite a lot. You're taking lots of drugs. You're being scanned all of the time. There's tons of disappointment. Um, I think I've probably, there's a local chemist to me. I should have shares because I've got so many pregnancy tests. Um, and each one, each one breaks your heart a little bit more and a little bit more. And I could get emotional when I think about it. And do you know why you feel emotional about it now? Do you know what that emotion is? I think it's just how huge it was at the time and it's you don't reconnect with past emotions very often because you're kind of in your life you're in the moment aren't you so when you start to talk about it it's like wow actually yeah it was really tough Mm. and again Jamie oh my goodness so much gratitude to you for sharing the story because uh, I can relate to it and can feel myself getting a bit emotional too and once again so many women will be able to relate to this and yeah I think you said you know that sense of heartbreak when it's not happening. Yeah, and it goes on for a long time. You know, I think we were we were trying for about five years. So, yeah, it's it goes on for a long time, and it you just yeah, it's just it's hard to put it into words. You don't you just don't understand why why like again the, the sense and the urgency is so strong. Yet you you've been given a body that's just not working it wasn't even responding to the drugs there's kind of a very small chance that the drugs can have a negative effect on the lining of your womb and I was in that category of course (laughs) so yeah and then the next step was um, a surgical procedure and I think it was at that point my husband and I kind of just had a heart to heart and said this is not meant to be this doesn't feel right anymore which is pushing you know when you're pushing and pushing Mm. and it's just it's just not it's not where we're meant to be we had a real strong sense that this is not the right direction for us yeah and I'm kind of I'm thinking now about your husband and the the ability he had to step out of the situation and look at it from a bird's eye view if you like and bring you back to yourself about you know what you're both trying to achieve here yeah, he's amazing at that. I'm in awe of him, <laughs> his ability to do that in all situations. But he just remembered that conversation we had many years ago, which I'd kind of forgotten about, really. And he said, you know, maybe we're not meant to be doing this. Maybe mm-hmm. we are meant to be looking into becoming parents in another way. So that's 
it was it was literally as quick as that. I was like, right, I'm going to phone the doctor. I'm I'm jumping out of the program. And we met with the fertility doctor, and he was really disappointed in us. Not in us, but he was so confident that if we kept with him for a little bit longer, he could achieve the results that he wanted as well as us. But we'd made our minds up. This was not the right. As soon as you start talking about surgery and I'd already had some invasive procedures. It's it's not what's you feel like this is not what Mother Nature intended, clearly. So I'm pushing against her and I need to stop. So yes. there must be another route for us, another path for us. And then we began a new journey then. We, we, we started the adoption process. Yeah, before we talk about that, two things really. Firstly, we're not saying here that people that go down the um the treatment route are in the wrong because it's what works for each individual couple isn't it and I think you're just saying at that time you know you went down that route and then you reached a point where you knew it wasn't for you absolutely and it is very different for everybody but for us because I think we have we have this connection with adoption and how families are built through adoption Um, my dad was adopted and Chris has people in his family who've experienced adoption we have this connection with it and we were just like wow for us I think maybe this is this this could be what where we need to be so perhaps this is all a sign and we're not we've got our eyes closed to it so let's just recalibrate reevaluate what's going on and think about this in a new way yeah it was absolutely your choice and the other question I wanted to ask you just before we talk more about that adoption process was the subject of miscarriages as well and lost babies did did that happen to you in the process of um, trying to get pregnant no I never never managed to get pregnant during that process because again that's something a lot of women face isn't it and I know in your work you'll be seeing women that go through that process and again it's that added heartbreak and sense of loss absolutely and I think I think with things like that it's accepting that it will change you forever and it should change you yeah that makes complete sense Jamie so let's move on to the adoption process it's interesting that you say uh, in your families there's a history of adoption this is something that you've always had in the back of your minds you and your husband you said at the beginning you know that was a conversation you had before you were married that this could be a possibility for you yeah and you like I say there's a the fertility road is a bit of a machine you kind of you get very focused and it's got a momentum of its own there's always this is the next step this is the next step so you kind of get drawn in and yeah you you then suddenly somewhere where you don't see the wood for the trees of your other possibilities and other options so it was Chris that kind of stood up and said it was just the reminder for me it's like look you know let's let's think about other things that we've got available to us but jamie it's worth saying isn't it that that process the adoption process was um had his own heartbreak as well didn't it it was hard i mean it was it was a year it seems like a lifetime but it was a year that we were being assessed and being trained actually they i can't knock the system the system although it's long they really really open your eyes to what this new world is all about and um, I think what they try and do, because the worst possible outcome for them is um, a matching of a child and a family that breaks down. So what they their intention, I think, is to make sure that the, the couples or the individuals, there were some single parents that were adopting, that they are absolutely prepared and ready for this different style of parenting, because it will be very, very different. 
so yeah it was it was a really powerful experience quite very emotive and and tough really invasive actually and Jamie as I understand it with the adoption process as prospective adoptive parents you get to a point don't you where you are asked who you're willing to adopt in terms of ability and disability yeah absolutely I mean you're you're first of all made very aware of the fact that these children aren't in the care system because they've come from a bed of roses they've had a really tough time so with or without physical disabilities their mental health is going to be different to a child that's come from a very secure loving home they they've experienced neglect they've experienced abuse so you're you're kind of given a lot of scenarios a lot of examples and they're real examples real children real families that have adopted Um, you get to meet with a group who who help the the biological parents cope when the children are taken away from them so you you are you're you're um subjected to all angles of it so you really understand all the dynamics of of what this this whole thing is about um and you you get given a a sheet is a tick list so you tick a box of what you're willing to invite into your home and it's really that's a it sounds kind of superficial but my goodness that was a hard that was a hard form to fill in Mm. and i again jamie i can hear the emotion in your voice but how did you protect yourself through all of that so you didn't absorb all of those stories because that wouldn't have been good for you would it did I protect myself I probably didn't yeah I don't um yeah no I don't I don't think I think you don't you're not you're I don't think you're aware of what you're going to hear what you're going to see what you're going to experience what you're going to feel it's kind of one of those it's one of those journeys in life that you yeah once you're in in the meetings and in the in with the social workers and you meet in other adoptive parents and hearing the stories of their children and you meet the children it's you yeah nobody can prepare you for that really no once again though Jamie I don't know why your husband has come into my thoughts so when I asked you that question about protection you had him next to you didn't you yeah yeah we did the whole thing together and he's yeah he's um he's quite a cool customer really (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting that impression he takes everything in his stride but I think he equally he yeah it's you couldn't you couldn't go through that process and not find it tough no it's really really tough no and I know there was one quote wasn't there that you found during the adoption process and even today uh impacts you what what was that quote yeah it really sums up how I felt about my my new journey to becoming a mum because it's very different from that idea we all grow up as little girls believing that you know one day we we might grow up and we'll get pregnant and we'll have a baby and suddenly you have this new path in front of you and I was equally as attached to this new idea of becoming a mum and there's a little quote and it says a child born to another woman calls me mummy the magnitude of that tragedy and the depth of that privilege are not lost on me wow Jamie it's such it's such a story your journey to become a mother and I suppose we ought to explain how the story ends because just as that adoption process was 
coming to an end or a beginning, if you like, you fell pregnant. I did. <laughs> I did. And I was actually really scared. Our social worker was quite a, she was quite a strict lady and both of us were terrified to leave with her <laughs> Um, so it, it, we were right at the end and we were about to be matched with a sibling group. We'd opted to, on our little tick list, we'd gone for a sibling group because they find it really difficult to be homed together. Mm. Um, so we went for that and, yeah, we were just about to go through the matching process and we had tons of animals at the time. I think that was what, maybe that's how I protected myself. I had sheep, I had goats, I had ferrets, we had dogs, <laughs> And my sheep had gone to lamb and I was up at four in the morning bottle feeding one of the lambs watching, I can't remember the program now, it's Farmer's Life or something. And it was an interview with a farmer's wife and she said, of course, we have to gear the the breeding around my pregnancies because I'm not allowed to be around the lambs when you're pregnant. It's really dangerous. And I had really sore boobs and I was feeding this little lamb, but I, I, I defied myself to go to that chemist again. I said, I'm not going to that chemist and getting another pregnancy test. But because she said this in this program at four in the morning, I was watching off. I went to the chemist because I thought if I am and my boobs are sore and I'm around all these birthing mothers, sheep mothers and lambs, I'm in trouble. I'm in serious trouble. And I was pregnant and I'd been, yeah, I'd been lambing and feeding baby lambs and so suddenly that all stopped and then the next heartache was my little lambs would be the other side of the fence bleating at me and I couldn't go anywhere near them. <laughs> <laughs> wow but what are the chances of you watching that program as well that's incredible. Yeah yeah and it was like like I say I was up at four in the morning because they were they were birthing constantly and I was up and down there dealing with that and this this lambing I think it was lambing live I think that was what the <laughs> program was called <laughs> of course I of course I recorded it and I, I've got to watch this because I've no idea what I'm doing really I'm winging it <laughs> first first you know eight sheep I've ever had put them to a a male and here we go we're it, you're just in it wow um, but yeah I quickly had to step back and get some help with all the baby lambs because I had to stay away from them so you were pregnant completely naturally, completely by surprise. And yeah. I think it's quite a common story, isn't it? This happens a lot just as people are about to um, yeah. finalise the adoption process. That does happen. So It does. And, and as a by comment, my social worker, who we were very scared to tell, she was over the moon for oh, us. Oh, good. Okay, thank goodness for that. She's the, people, people said to me, it's... Yeah. Do I find the comment annoying? Not really annoying, but it's it's an untruth that, oh, my goodness, you fell pregnant because you weren't thinking about it. Mm. I don't think that's true. I don't think you ever let go of that that sadness that you once you believe that your body's not going to ever carry a child in the way that you always grew up thinking it would, I don't think that's something you ever stop thinking about, even if you're totally focused and totally engaged and totally committed to becoming a mum to some other little person out there who's on their way to you on a little path to you and I was completely my heart was in in that it was completely in another place but there's always a part of you that just feels that sadness that I'm never going to experience that magical pregnancy and growing a tiny little baby and giving birth to a baby and that's why when when I gave birth to my children, I chose, as crazy as it might sound, but no drugs, no nothing. I wanted to, I wanted to feel everything <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't think I was going to get that privilege. 
and I did and I'm yeah it was it was a shocker <laughs> did it well you say shocker so did it take a lot of getting your head round from you know going from adoption to oh my goodness I'm gonna have a baby now uh I was so over the moon about the pregnancy I couldn't I can't even explain to you however I think it's taken years to um to, to, to make peace with the fact that actually this other this other way of becoming a mum I'm not doing that now and you both have to be committed and I think I probably still wanted to do both biological and adoption but Chris is he, he didn't believe that that was the right thing to do and you both need to be a hundred percent so it took took me years to get over that I'll be honest it took a long time well, I don't know if this will help, but a long time ago, I think when I was going through a similar journey, Jamie, I I remember, I think it was some dream. I woke up from a dream and I had a very, very clear voice in my head. So much so I actually thought somebody was in the room with me speaking to me. And this voice said, I wrote it down and it's still in my book next next to my bed to this day. So this is like 10 years ago. And this voice in my head said, nobody but nobody makes decisions they're all made for you. Wow. And it wasn't said in a way that, uh, you know, you can abandon responsibility or free will. It wasn't meant like that at all. It was just meant when you look back at the major things that have taken place in your life, you know, how many of those really have we consciously played a part in? Oh, absolutely. And it goes hand in hand with the, the idea that all the best and worst things in life are free. You know, and we don't have control of those things. Yes. And I think that's that's the the biggest revelation to me. I was like, wow! I, all that time I was running around like a crazy person, <laughs> um, trying to get pregnant and go into the fertility clinics and thinking I had this under control and I had I've got this, you know, and having goals and dates and actually, gosh, what was I doing? I had never had any control of this whatsoever there's something much bigger than us and and what I see time and time again with with young women coming to see me who are experiencing similar similar journeys but I don't think you can I don't think you can gift this wisdom that's the trouble you can explain to them how you found what you your truth is from it and hope that it sows a little seed of peace for them but it's okay to not be in control of everything. Well, Jamie, I was going to ask you about your wisdom from this challenge, because that's the whole idea of this podcast is, you know, what, what did you learn from everything you went through? And that's what you're saying, is it? The, the whole control, it just wasn't, it wasn't down to you. Yeah. And I think we live in a world where everything is so accessible and so instantaneous. I think it's really difficult for women in our Western world in this day and age to hand over to something that's bigger than them that they don't have control over and to have peace with that but my my revelation was just that it was like wow I never had any control when I thought I had it all under control it was never up to me there was a bigger plan and all of the tears all of the heartache my goodness I could have saved all that if I knew this now but I don't know that you can you can't you can't give gift that to somebody else very easily when you're in it you kind of it's difficult to to hand over that 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 momentum to something that's much bigger than you are and and find peace with that when you want something so desperately and also Jamie you said you could have saved 
all that pain and, and heartache and tears. But would it have made you who you are today? And would you be able to teach your girls about control in the way that you're going to be able to teach them about that today? Absolutely not. And I think that's the whole thing, isn't it? Mm. When, we, when we experience something and we have sometimes, I guess, negative thoughts around those experiences, actually they're gifts because you're able to then, like you say, I see people in my clinic and my daughters and friends and family and their stories may be very different to mine, but the emotions and the connection that you have with other women based on this kind of subject of motherhood and even miscarriages, which I, I know nothing about in my own experience, but you're able to connect through uh, that you've experienced heartache and pain and you understand what that feels like. Yeah. Um, so you can just hold space for somebody to just feel what they feel right now. Well, I think I read a quote once that said, you know, there are only two ways that we grow and evolve. And those two ways are either through great pain or through great love. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I, I, ought to, I ought to kind of add my wisdom, I suppose, to your story as well, Jamie, because there's so much of what you've shared that I can relate to having uh, done some of that journey myself. But that's part of the reason why I wrote the book I did, uh, which is called I'm a Woman. And in that book, it talks about how one of the reasons why women have periods and cycles is to birth new life. And that new life can be babies, can be children, but it can also be new consciousness. So every month, women are birthing new consciousness. So, okay, I might not be giving birth to children but I know that I'm honoring my cycles by every month even doing this podcast every month I release a podcast yeah. every month I'm releasing new consciousness and that to me is uh, the wisdom I gleaned from that journey is that to be a woman your job is to birth consciousness whether that's a baby or whether that's ideas yeah and that's such a beautiful idea and I love I've read your book and I love that and I I now incorporate that into my thought process ongoing now as a woman and I love that because I think before I read that yeah I think I got very stuck during the infertility not knowing what I was that's yes. a really might seem a really odd thing to say but I was a woman but if I can't have children what am I yes and it, that was that was yeah that was it sounds like um I don't think I really expressed that to anybody because I thought it sounded a bit bonkers but that's really strongly how I felt I felt really yeah I just didn't understand well if I if I can't do this and I can't birth children then what am I am I a woman or am I not a woman I don't know what what I've been designed to be and what am I here for then and that was really powerful thought process if I would have read your book back then it would have been really helpful <laughs> I didn't know about that I had to learn it and I must admit that uh, the woman that I learned it from is a doctor lives in America now she was a GP in this country but she's called Dr Christine Page and she's mm -hmm. written a book called The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman and that information is in that book and it's also in my book as well Simple because I think it's such an important message. I think women need to know that every month you are birthing new consciousness. And yes, it might be a baby, but if it's not a baby, let it be an idea that you can birth to create a better life in your home or beyond. Mm, yeah. And to let go of things from the previous month that, you know, that don't serve you anymore. Um, 
it doesn't fit in with your life anymore to just it's like a process of letting go as well yeah exactly I think so many of these teachings about what it means to be a woman and what it means to be feminine have been completely lost um, and that's tied up in in some of the pain that people experience when when they're going through infertility treatment so hopefully this conversation that we've had today I really really hope that helps Jamie thank you so much for sharing really lots of gratitude for sharing your story because I know at times you know uh, for everybody that does these podcasts it can bring up some of those memories which you thought had healed and it's incredible that just talking about them brings them back into the light again oh absolutely it's it's funny when you kind of you you haven't spoken about it for such a long time and then when you re replay everything in in quite a lot of detail it's still got a charge attached to it and I think Mm. it always will and perhaps it always should because like you say it makes you who you are and it allows you to pass on that wisdom yeah it gives you depth gives you depth before you go though Jamie your job isn't done just yet I was going to ask you three very quick questions just to find out a little bit more about you the first question is which woman in history it can't be a relative either present day legend myth which woman do you admire the most and and why well that's easy um you said myth I don't know which category she fits into but it's mother nature good answer that's the ultimate answer I I trust her at the point in my life and where I am now I trust her uh, completely yeah mother nature okay how do you feel about what's happening to mother nature at the moment in terms of our respect for her Mm. I feel I feel there's there there is a shift and an awareness happening but I really worry that it's not it's not quick enough Mm. Um, that's, that's my worry. We're not going to act quick enough to turn it around. Um, but equally she's cyclical and she's powerful. So there's the other view that the, the, the planet always works in cycles and it, it warms up and it cools down and it warms up and it cools down. So, uh, but I do think we need to make some serious, serious changes and very, very quickly. I, I worry about our future children and what they're going to be left with. Mm. She well, she's definitely going to have the last word. I think you know, you, you've only got to see a tiny little, beautiful shoot of a plant in the middle of a concrete jungle city to know how powerful she is. She mm. can, you know, push through tons of concrete and still appear in the middle of that. And I just, I think it's more she'll she'll in a cyclical nature as as women are she'll she'll rev- evolve again. It's it's the human race that will struggle because she won't be able to provide us what we need to survive yes because we're asking too much Mm. okay next question which book have you or would you gift the most to your friends okay so i've given this some thought and there's many many but i think for this podcast i think a lovely book to suggest and i have recommended it to so many people and i loved it it's thought-provoking so be careful <laughs> it's the conscious parent by shafali i think her surname's pronounced sabery shafali sabery i always say it quite quickly so if i get it wrong nobody really notices but i've heard a few people kind of say dr shafali sabari so but one of those i'm sure will fit the bill yes so the conscious parent it's it's amazing it's such a good book that jamie it's one of my favorites and and it's not just parents. Thank you. It, That's what I was going to say. It really helps you see how you interact with everybody in your life in a conscious way. 
Well, her whole philosophy, isn't it, is that, um, you know, she talks about it from the parent-child um, relationship, but yeah. that whoever is in front of you, let's say it's a parent and child, that child is your mirror and the child is mirroring back your unhealed past. Absolutely. And the things you find difficult about your parenting journey, it's not your child. That's that's to do with you. It's a very introspective book. But like you say, really difficult to to get to grips with sometimes. And I can imagine for you as a as a mum, Jamie, reading that book at times has been challenging when you've been triggered. Yeah, absolutely. Because you you know, you're you're reading certain parts of the book and you're thinking, yeah, no, I have done that. Yeah, no, I have reacted like that. Yeah, no, I was a little bit short with my daughters for X, Y and Z. And some days I'm really, really chilled and other days I'm not so chilled. And it's, you know, that consistency that, you know, it's really, really good for children. It's hard because we're all only human. So, but it's that awareness that she teaches in the book even when you're having a day where you're not quite hitting the nail on the head in the way that you want to as a parent, the awareness that, okay, I'm not doing this as well as I could do this, that's such a huge step because once you're aware of it, that's when you can think, okay, I'm taking a back step, I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to see this in a new way or I'm going to let my child speak because there she's trying to tell me something and I'm, you know, I'm maybe talking over her or... It's, it's the awareness that has huge changes because if we parent in an unconscious way or interact with anyone in our life in an unconscious way, we're just limiting ourselves to ever evolving and developing and being free from that programming. I'm not saying the book, you know, gives you all the answers, but it makes you really evaluate a lot of stuff and like I say it's not just with your children it's the way you interact with everybody in your life and how people might instigate certain emotions in you well why is that and where's that coming from so it's more of an introspective book than it is parenting book in some ways I think Mm, nice okay well that's your book choice Dr Shafali Sabari I think it is yep. I don't know um, I like that pronunciation let's just say it quickly and hope we get it right <laughs> Sabari um, and the book's called The Conscious Parent and yeah. final question for you Jamie which piece of music which song reminds you the most of the challenge that you have spoken <laughs> about today okay this might seem an odd choice and there's a reason for it um, I'm a little bit intrigued with signs in life when little things happen and you may not notice it at the time but when you look back you think wow that was really bizarre so I was sat outside of um, the maternity hospital this was around the time when my sheep were lambing (laughs) and I I thought I was pregnant but I was defiant in going to the chemist again and I you know I thought I can't take myself there I'm not doing it I'm ignoring it I'm ignoring it but there was something in me that was really making me feel uneasy again that I'm going down this road again why I feel like I'm pregnant again it's just yeah I don't want to go down that road again that thought process Um, we were sat outside of the maternity hospital because my best friend had just had um, her third little boy and I was over the moon for her but it's you know it's 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 kind of a, a tough thing as well. You you love that they're going through this beautiful time, but you do feel a little bit of heartache that, you know, you just wanted that experience as well. And I was sat in the car outside of the, the maternity hospital in Bristol, and Radio 1 never play old songs, but they put Tina Turner, You're Simply the Best, on. 
and if we're talking about female connections and how um you know years ago we had the our ancestral connections with our mothers and our cousins and our grandmothers and our sisters my cousin um passed away a few years before that and her favorite song was tina turner you're simply the best mm. and it came on radio one and they never play you know flashback songs and i, I kind of hit, i clocked it at the time i thought well, that's weird why are they playing that and then when i found out i actually was pregnant because i was feeling a bit sad in the car I felt like it was a bit of a sign from her to say, look, come on, snap out of it. You, you know, everything's going to be okay. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the song that sticks with my story, which is seems a random fit. <laughs> but you actually, just to clarify, you didn't know you were pregnant, but you were pregnant. I was. I was sat in the car outside of the maternity hospital feeling all kinds of sad. Um, but still, you know, loving the adoption process still, full on with that, but still feeling quite sad again. It was a, it was a sad day. Happy for my friend, but sad for me. I was wallowing a bit and this song came on and yeah, so I was pregnant, sat there. And even the sentiment of the title says it all as well, doesn't it? For Again, for, for you and anybody going through this journey, it's just really important to, to hold on to that kind of self-love for who you are through that pain that you're going through. Yeah, and you know, and just be accepting of what you're feeling and and how sad it's. It is. It can be a very sad process, but you know, just it's being accepting of what's here right now and being forgiving with yourself. If you have a sad day, you have a sad day. If you have a happy, great day, then let it let it be a little bit. Brilliant, Jamie. I know I've said thank you so many times already through this podcast, but final <laughs> time, thank you for sharing. So many women are going to relate to this story, and uh, I'm really grateful. Thank you for having me. I'm Joe Wise, and you've been listening to Wise Women, the podcast. You can follow Wise Women on Instagram, Facebook, and the website www.wisewomen.org.uk. Remember, wise is spelt with a Y. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. I look forward to you joining me next time for another Wise Women episode.